This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is when your parents are aging. So there is a lot of people who are in the position of becoming a financial caregiver for their parents or for someone that they love. And we are going to talk about some of the main things that you need to be aware of if you're the one that's helping your parents who are aging. So with me today, I have Kelsey Banky. Welcome. Hello, Mary. And Kelsey and I um, put this show together because of this. There are nearly 10 million of you out there Adult children older than age 50 who are caring for aging parents. 10 million people strong in this. And many of you are also what we refer to as the sandwich generation. (laughs) Sandwich between parents that you're taking care of and children who are still at home. Like um, teenagers, late teenagers, kids who are in college. Um, So the sandwich generation, people who had children later in life, that are simultaneously confronted with teenage angst and parents that need help, this is a tough place to be. (laughs) A lot of people uh, relying on you to help them get through some things. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, that's why this topic is so important. And that's why we have a seminar coming up on February the 28th about assisting your aging parents. You can register at strictfinancialservices.com. And um, this type of seminar is really to go over some of the things that we're going to talk about today and go over them at greater depth. So when you are in the position of stepping into the financial caregiver role for your aging parents, there is a handful of things that we think are really critical for you to know so that you can feel like you're on top of things and feel like you're handling things, okay? And the very first thing that a financial caregiver has to wrap their mind around is understanding and organizing their parents' cash flow. All right, so cash flow is made up of two things, right? Income and expenses. And so when you're trying to figure out somebody else's cash flow, it gets a little tricky, especially if they're not able to assist you in doing that. (laughs) So a lot of it is combing through their records. A lot of it is going through their mail, trying to figure out their from their bank what money's coming in and what money's coming out. But when you look at the cash flow, Kelsey, what are some of the most common types of incomes that your parents might have? Incomes would be like your their social security if they were getting pensions or any kind of uh, benefit like that from former employment. Um, uh, many people own rental properties or land of some kind. They might have cash flow from that as well. Um, other, again, other kinds of benefits, insurance checks, things like that that regular regularly come to them. Um, in addition to just, I mean, they might just still have some income that they're they're collecting somewhere. So, a lot of times uh, you'll see those on specific days of the month, not necessarily always. And looking at a tax return um, can be really helpful if you can't pull that information out of your parents. Um, they're tax return will show a lot of those incomes and and where they're coming from. Uh, They're also, sorry, could have uh, income from their investments as well. Uh So if they're collecting income from CDs or uh, annuities or um, just collecting dividends on different investments that they have. 
Yeah, so even with what Kelsey just said there, there's a number of different places where incomes can come from. And let me tell you, the income side is the easier part. The expense side is where it starts to get even more complex. So we've developed some really strong tools to help you understand what the incomes are, help you understand what the expenses are, and put it all together so you can figure out, is there a gap? right? Is there enough money coming in to support the expenses? And if there is, fantastic. And if there's not, then what do we need to do to fix the gap? We also have a great concierge service where if you're more localized, where we actually will come out to your home and help you go through those records to figure out what it is you need to know in order to wrap your mind around this cash flow. Okay, so if you're interested in that, just uh, give us a call or go online and, and reach out and contact us. Once you understand the cash flow, then the next thing that we think is important to do is to establish a good bill paying system. Now, as a financial caregiver, the more you can automate this so you don't have to sit down and personally spend a lot of time writing out checks, going through bills, things like that, the more you can automate it, the better. So we've built a great bill pay tool that will help capture the automation if possible and just make sure you're understanding when things are due so nothing gets missed. I'm a really big fan of these tools because, you know, anybody who manages their own household finances knows it's not necessarily easy, quick, or simple to do that um, if you want to really make sure things are done right and keep good records. Now multiply that by two and make it something that you're not as familiar with on that second one. And it just, it has the potential to add a lot of time uh, and, and, and stress, stress to your situation. So utilizing tools, we have several that you can, you can have, um, but utilizing tools to help you organize it, track it, document it just makes things that much um, better for you. And it takes some of that stress off of you. Um, if all of that stuff is in one place in a clean, simple manner to read. Yeah. We had, um, a woman, um, named Stephanie come into our office recently and she literally was in tears. And what was happening in her life is that her mother was developing dementia. And so she was kind of in that stage where everything was changing. Her mother had just moved into her home. She ended up quitting her job to be able to provide full-time care for her mother. And everything in life was now revolving around her mother's care. Now, I think there's a lot of people that can relate to that. And even if you haven't quit your job to take care of a parent, you know that even in the times when you're not working, that parent care can be very time-consuming and overwhelming. Um, and, And, you know... A lot of times financial caregivers, um, and especially if you're providing some of that health care too, you can start to lose your feeling of your own identity and that you have your own life because you're constantly in this caregiving role. And that leaves people feeling very frazzled at very loose ends and kind of like their own life is on hold. So if, if we can help you or if you can use these tools to understand the cash flow, get your arms around that, establish the bill pay system, those two big things will go a long way to getting you to a point where you feel like you're more organized, you feel like you're more connected in to what you need to know, and that you can reclaim some of that time to take care of yourself. So, okay, the next thing that we think is important for caregivers to understand is it's really a good idea to record key information. So what I mean by key information is 
have something that you can easily reference their social security number, their Medicare card, their health insurance information, their prescription drug list that they're using. Have that key information about that parent somewhere that you can easily reference because you're going to need it. <laughs> yes, and, and documents that go along with that, you know, birth certificates, marriage certificates, if they were in the military, their DD-214 and things like that. All of that stuff, if you can also gather that into one location that you can manage, that'd be great because sometimes uh, they might have one in the safe in the house, one in a safety deposit box, one in the file cabinet, um, but pulling all that information together so you can easily um, have it available for you and you're going to be their financial advocate going forward. Um, those things are all necessary um, for collecting different benefits and for um, accessing different pieces of information for their financial picture. It's kind of interesting because I think people spend a lot of time digging through trying to find data. And if you can kind of make a list of what data you need to find, get it all organized once, have it at an easy reference spot for yourself, then you're never going to waste time digging through data to find the same information over and over. So that's why we think recording that key information is so important. All right, next is that you need to familiarize yourself with the investments that your parents have. So, you know, this is one of those topics that up until the point you become a financial caregiver for someone, you probably aren't talking about these. It's kind of, like I said, it's taboo. It's something that parents and children don't often talk about is how much money they have and where it's invested and things like that. But if you're going to have to step in and take care of your aging parents, now is the time for you to familiarize yourself with what they have and begin to understand them. This is where working with a financial planner can really, really provide value um, and for a number of reasons. Not all investments are created equal, and we've said that on multiple different um, shows here. You know, the difference in tax types, the difference in programs, whether they're um, programs that provide guarantees or don't provide guarantees, whether they have um, the tax liability, so not whether they're IRAs or non-qualified, but, you know, how much capital, uh, how much cost basis does an account have, how much uh, tax would gain would be owed if we withdrew from it. Um, There's a lot of different things that come into that, and if you're going to step into that role and potentially need to pool money from that pool more than what is currently being done. Um, Understanding which accounts, why we would do one over the other and and all the little pieces is really, really crucial. And I don't think people quite understand or put enough emphasis on income planning. Right. Just because you know the dollar amount of a a parent's uh, assets doesn't necessarily mean that you know the exact right way to access that money. And there are right ways and there are not as right ways or wrong ways, I guess we could say. So um, working with somebody who really understands the ins and the outs of what they have, why it was set up, what the intent was, what's the best way to utilize it um, is definitely something you need to seek advice on. So remember how we talked about that there could be a gap between the income coming in and the expenses that your parents have. This is where you can plug that gap too, is if you know the tax impact and then how the investments are set up, you can utilize those to plug that gap when it's necessary. So that's why we think it's very important to familiarize yourself with the investments. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about when your parents are aging. All right. So one of the things that um, that we would highly encourage you to do is while you still can, 
talk to your parents about their wishes for care and their wishes for their final needs. So, you know, oftentimes we notice, oh, mom and dad are maybe forgetting a few things. Or you talk to your siblings and you're like, did you notice at Christmas that dad kind of repeated himself a few times? You know, so you start to see these symptoms where your parents are not doing as well as they have in the past. And let me just say, this is the time while you still can have a conversation that's a lucid conversation, this is the time to talk to your parents about what they want. And, you know, we talk on our shows about trying to eliminate arguments and problems and family drama. If your parents' wishes are known, that tends to eliminate a lot of the issues that are out there. So when you're talking to your parents, talk to them about what they would like to see, especially when it comes to medical care. You know, do they want to have extreme measures taken or do they want you to go ahead and pull the plug if it gets bad enough? I know that's a horrible conversation to have, but it's a it's the right one to be having, right? And then you also want to make sure that everybody's really clear on which child is supposed to be helping with what, okay? Now, you really would like to see your parents have a financial power of attorney that's, if you're the financial caregiver, you need that financial power of attorney in place to be able to take care of things for them. And then they may want to name you or it might be a different child who's going to be their health care power of attorney. Okay. And that's the person that's making the health care decisions. Now, oftentimes it's the same child and oftentimes it's the local child who gets hit with both of those responsibilities. But we, ha- we have this, this trend that happens though, that let's say that there's kids that live here and there's kids that live somewhere else, the child who's the caregiver has worked tirelessly to set up a situation that's best for their parents. And then their siblings will fly in. Understandably, they might be shocked at the deterioration of mom or dad and have very strong opinions about what should be happening, right? You should be doing this. They should be living here. This is how it should be set up. And siblings will start to bicker with each other. In fact, there's a name for them. They're called Pelican siblings. (laughs) They're kids who fly in from another location, poop all over everything that's been set up and fly out. (laughs) So we call them the Pelican siblings. But anyway, what they don't know is how difficult it is on a day-to-day basis to be in that caregiver role. And they're coming from a place of love. They just want mom and dad to be taken care of. But if mom and dad have been very specific of who's in charge of these decisions, it will eliminate a lot of these sibling type of issues. And that can easily be done by having conversations with them and then getting it in writing with power of attorneys who they want to be in charge of these decisions. Okay. Um, One of the things that we also think is very important to um, taking care of your aging parents is to begin to evaluate future living arrangements. So Kelsey, share with us what some of those future living arrangements might look like. Well, the most common ones, you know, are the nursing homes, the assisted livings, uh, skilled care nursing, or even memory care nursing, if that's uh, something that's needed. Um, But it might also be, uh, you know, deciding uh, is, is a parent or 
parents going to move in with one of the children? Um, are you going to take uh, measures to change their home to be as accommodating as long as possible? Um, a frequent one, especially in the Midwest, is when, how soon, and where are grandma and grandpa or mom and dad going to go um, once they can no longer stay on the farm? And um, actually, someone I'm very close to, not a family member, but someone I'm very close to, they made that move, um, thankfully, right before her husband passed away. And now she's in town close to family and was there um, prior to that uh, losing their spouse. And that was, I think, really excellent timing because they didn't have to... um, make that change after their mm-hmm. spouse had passed away. Um, so there's a lot of different things that can be done, but talking about those, what their goals are. Um, and, and if it, the goal is to stay out of a care facility as long as possible, because people a lot of times want to stay home if they can, um, what do you need to do to the home to make it, um, as available to them as long as possible. And it might be railings or different kinds of shower facilities, you know, tubs that don't have as high of walls, things like that. There's a lot of little things that can be done. Um, but making those changes early, um, is better. If you start changing things later and it's a little bit too late, that can also confuse some people. So again, taking some of those measures or talking about what you think needs to be done and making plans for those financially as well is good. But then, Wherever they do to do go after their home, if they have some input, that might be good. You know, if there's four four facilities in town and they definitely don't want to go to one, <laughs> you <wanna laughs> that's know that. good to know, right? <laughs> um, so that's that's things that you can you can have conversations about and talk through and and understand there. This is another thing that ties right back to those investments that people have or insurance policies that people have. Your parents might have long term care insurance, which will help you make decisions about their care going forward or they might not and they might have to depend on their investments to do that or they might not have any investments left in which case you have to figure out how you're going to work within the system to still get them care so the future living arrangements is a big piece of what a financial caregiver has input on and decision making on so that's why we think it's uh, worthwhile talking about all right one of the things that does happen eventually, and it's it's not any fun to talk about, but end of life does happen. And um, most communities have um, very strong hospice programs. And hospice is all about the end of life care. And um, But before you need the end of life care, many facilities often offer what's called palliative care, which is helping the caregivers for people who have the long-term chronic illnesses. So even if it's not to the end yet, it's a good idea to reach out to hospice in your local um, community to figure out what do they offer, what resources can they provide, and they also can probably lead you into whether or not there's some specialty groups for you that can help you as the caregiver. Now, I'm very proud of Kelsey because Kelsey actually does some volunteer work at our local hospice. Kelsey, tell us a little bit about why you do that. You know, when I was looking at places to spend some volunteer hours um, in the community, one popped up at my church that was, you know, come get training for hospice and and learn about it. And I knew a little bit about hospice, but I didn't know a lot. And I will say, after I went through the training, I have even a bigger respect for these organizations because when you say hospice, everybody thinks of that 11th hour 
care that they provide. When the person can no longer get care at a hospital or their nursing home, they come home and they usually pass away within days or, or a week or so. And that what they do in that in that situation is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, they can they can give you a very strong heads up of hey, it's it's in the next couple hours or whatever. But what people don't realize is the volume of benefits that they provide outside of that kind of care. Um, I work with a lot of children who have lost parents through hospice. They have grief services. They have um, care services where somebody will just come sit with them and chat with them. You know, there's a lot of people who stayed in town in nursing homes because that was familiar to them and their family don't live close. Um, and they just want somebody to come chat with them and hang out. And I, I really enjoy this um, this organization. I feel like, um, you know, our, our loved ones and um, the, the older generation have, has done a lot for our world and whatever we can do to provide them care, love, and benefits at the end of their life is, is just a small piece of, of thanks and token that we can give them. Yeah. And we're actually partnering with our local hospice organization. They are going to be at our seminar coming up on the 28th and sharing a little bit about what they provide as resources for our community. So I really encourage everybody, wherever you are listening to this, to to develop what that set of resources is to help you. And then the last tip that I want to leave you with is find a group to take care of yourself. Financial caregiving or healthcare caregiving is is very difficult. It creates a lot of stress and it can be oftentimes very upsetting and and difficult. And there are a number of organizations that are support groups for financial caregivers or for health caregivers, um, especially if there are specific illnesses that you are helping a loved one through, like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or dementia. So many communities, especially through their local hospitals, have specific support groups for the people who love the people that have this developing disease. And so look for those resources and see what you can find to help yourself because ultimately that will help the one you love too. Thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk about when your parents are aging, and we'll talk to you next week. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.